0: Bearing Witness, part of the Racial Reckoning Project, is a reflective dive into the week's events unfolding in this season of racial upheaval and, we hope, change. I'm Anthony Galloway, Executive Director of the Arts Us Center for the African Diaspora.
1: And I'm Georgia Fort, an independent journalist.
0: If now isn't a good time for the truth, I don't see when we'll get to it. Nikki Giovanni. A heads up as we begin our show today um, we are going to be talking about the Jaleel Stallings case and we will be engaging with some of the sound clips and the footage from that. And so a heads up to any who are listening that we'll, we will be going there. There's your trigger warning. As we have the conversations about how we continue to move towards justice, sometimes we have to pause and really look at what happened in a particular case because narratives begin spinning around that go far beyond what the actual reporting on the ground tells us. So we're going to spend some time talking about the Jaleel Stallings case um, and how that ties in to this ongoing reckoning that's happening, um, and then get into some discussions just about you know, how these encounters happen and what we can do to start changing some of these things. Um, how can we start being different? How can we have a different narrative? This is bearing witness. So, Miss Georgia, we we are in, in a space, again, was seeing and having footage. You know, um, there's so many folks, I think Will Smith is being coined with, with saying it very often now, but so many people have said it before that um, <laughs> brutality is not just... Is not just happening; just just not now. It's being filmed. Um, We have yet another um, dose of insight that has come a lot from your coverage, at least in my area, uh, where body body cam footage and what's happening in the Jaleel Stallings case. So, can you can you break this down for us a little bit, and can it bring us up to speed with some of the important details that we should be thinking about and looking at over the Jaleel Stallings case?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Anthony. This footage that was released this week, it was used as evidence in a case uh, against Jaleel Stallings. And in fact, it ended up helping his case because he ended up being acquitted. But usually footage like this can't be released while an investigation is open or while a trial is ongoing. And so now that that trial has ended, Jaleel was acquitted. We're all able to see for ourselves and and we're able to make a determination on our own. And so, if you have not seen the footage that was released uh, showing Minneapolis police responding to protesters after George Floyd's murder, I do encourage you to go and look at it for yourself and make an assessment for yourself. Uh, but I, I had the chance also to speak with the attorney for Jaleel Stallings, who gave an excellent overview of. Just what happened to Jaleel Stallings uh, last year when he was out uh, trying to participate in protests for George Floyd? Take a listen at what he had to say.
2: Sure. And I'll try to summarize it from Jaleel's uh, point of view. But he was out looking for protests on May 30th, 2020 uh, in Minneapolis. On an, And he was in a parking lot near 14th Avenue and Lake Street. He was with three other people in the parking lot waiting and trying to figure out where uh, protest groups were. When a white van pulled past a building and shot at the group twice, one round hit Jalil in the chest. Uh, Jalil at the time had a legally carried firearm for his protection and he fired toward but not hitting the van while getting into cover behind his truck. Once in cover, the people in the van stopped and started shouting and that's when Jaleel learned that they were actually officers. So Jalil uh, put his weapon aside, laid on the ground, and waited for the officers to approach. When they did, they started striking and beating him. Uh, Jaleel remained surrendered and submissive, um, and he was ultimately arrested and charged with attempted murder for firing at the ban.
1: So, uh, you know, when you, you hear from his attorney and you also watch the footage, what you're able to determine is that Jaleel was a man, who was outraged by the uh, police violence that had happened, the the death of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd. And so he was out with his community. Uh, He was looking for uh, the protests. And it just so happened that this unmarked vehicle, and if you go back at that time, there were reports that there were white supremacists even who were driving around in unmarked vehicles, right? And so to have this car that is not a police vehicle direct fire at you, and Jaleel was hit in his chest. And so immediately, he actually thought that he had been hit by a real bullet. He thought he was bleeding out. And so his initial response, because he does have a permit to carry, was to return fire, No one was injured, but it incited uh, this anger within the Minneapolis police officers who are on the receiving end of that. And in the footage, you can see these officers hop out. Jaleel, he gets on the ground and he's in full compliance. He was nowhere near his weapon anymore. And the officers just start beating him, punching him repeatedly kicking him repeatedly, leaving him with uh, a fracture near his eye, multiple bruises and cuts. And uh, Anthony, when this footage was released last week, we saw the concern reignited about the Minneapolis Police Department. That, That same concern and fear that residents had immediately following the murder of George Floyd, it was, it was reignited. And this is just weeks ahead of this big vote on the charter amendment for public safety. And so while we've seen so many community leaders galvanizing for voting, yes, so many community leaders galvanizing for voting. No, now this, this window into what MPD is really like when no one is watching it has it has forced people to ask those tough questions. Is this a department that can truly keep everybody in our community safe?
0: Um, I, I want to say to to folks, as you as you suggested, that folks go and in, in in view um, the video. Um, you know, one of the things that we can we can assure folks, this video does not show death, uh, the death of a black man at the hands of police officers, but it does show. Um, brutality. And so just to so folks know what they're going to view when they get to that, um, to that video, you know, uh, Georgia, your coverage, one of the things that, that I saw that you, you highlighted that reigniting of this question of the history, um, you know, when you talk about the, uh, community leaders rallying both for and against, I was able to, to, to listen to, to some of the leaders who are, are, are rallying against the, the upcoming, um, amendment uh, in, or the charter uh, uh, vote that's going to be happening in Minneapolis. And one of the things that they brought forward as well um, is this lack of, of understanding of the history of a thing. So we often get into these conversations about what should happen and not really pay attention to the history. Um, the uh, w- We got to remember that the American Indian movement started on a case of police brutality by Minneapolis police, um, that this is cyclical and it addresses long long standing issues and challenges around public safety and how public safety is quote unquote, metered out uh, by Minneapolis de- police department. So this is this goes back much bigger. In addition to the fact that some of the leaders who are who are rallying against are bringing up the fact that there were a whole lot of things that were brought up and attempted and denied whether it was the, the subpoena authority of the of the police Rever- review board or a few other things that had been in place and not done for long periods of time, which is causing distrust in this new initiative around public safety. At the same time, folks are saying, hey, things need to change now. And so we see this fracturing that's continuing to happen in the midst of this video dropping. What reaction um, in the midst of all of this conversation, What what have you seen... What are you seeing from community about in response to this video? Is is it shifting the narrative one way or to, uh, to another? Are you hearing more voices saying, "Well, now that this video is out, you know, it pushes me more towards wanting to vote for an office of public safety rather than our current system"? What What are you seeing? This is this shifting narratives at all in your in your coverage?
1: Well, as a journalist, Anthony, I've been following both sides. I've I've been speaking to people in community who are saying vote yes, and I've been speaking to people in community who are saying vote no. What I will say is the people who were leaning more towards defunding the police, abolishing the police, who had these what some people call radical views of what should happen with the future of public safety, some of those folks, it felt like, were losing momentum in recent months due to the fact that there had been so many children killed Mm. in North Minneapolis. And so it it felt as though the argument for fully funding the police department and hiring, uh, making sure that the police department was fully staffed, it, it, it was starting to feel as though those voices were getting louder and louder and also having more political support. So uh, the politicians who represent Minneapolis and the wards that are most affected by gun violence uh, all seem to be united uh, on that front for the most part uh, with a few outliers. But it just, it felt like there was more momentum in that direction until these videos surfaced. and there's something about the power of moving pictures that is just undeniable. And so when you see Jaleel Stallings on the ground, fully surrendered, not resisting arrest and being beaten in a fashion similar to what we saw Rodney King beaten, I mean, you just cannot deny that that is not necessary. That type of force is not necessary and it is excessive. And so the argument of excessive force by police has been at the center of this conversation the entire time. And so it absolutely has reignited uh, the momentum, the concern Uh, of those who have said all along that we should defund the police, that we should abolish the police, that we should really consider a different system of public safety that can serve everyone. Uh, Because here you have yet another example. And not only the Jaleel Stallings example, Anthony, but there was a batch of videos that was released. All of it, again, was evidence for the Jaleel Stallings case. But what we learned in uh, some of the other videos that were released was that uh these officers who were out Minneapolis police officers who were out responding to protests following the murder of George Floyd they they we caught candid conversations of what their real attitude and their real uh desire was for Their response to these protests. I want you guys to take a listen to this conversation. Two cops in a parking lot looks like they were trying to regroup, recalibrate. This is a candid conversation that they never thought would see the day of light. Listen to how they describe protesters.
2: Instead of Chasing people around? Yeah. We're on a hunt. You guys are out hunting people now. And it's just a nice change of tempo. Yep. Agreed. Fuck these people. Uh, I get to move on. <laughs> move forward.
0: So, so Georgia, in this footage, this, this candid conversation by police officers, this was used um, to to defend Jaleel, correct?
1: Yes. This was used by his attorney, who we heard from earlier, attorney Eric Rice. So you know
0: this. So this this is this is part of the crux of this challenge, right? Because I, I do I do want to acknowledge that unlike many other situations, we actually have a police chief, a black police chief, who was part of the lawsuit against the Minneapolis Police Department by black officers, um, who who seem who, who seems not only receptive, but you know we we have the right. Th- it seems like we have the right things in place to make some significant changes and address this this particular culture, which I think is the crux of the issue. Uh, folks try to make this this argument around whether defund police or reform or whatever the 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 space is about about police about the need for police at all, and the actual conversation seems to me to be indicative of what this clip shows, and that is the culture of 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 some of officers in so many of the police departments that we don't seem to be willing to address.
1: You know, even the mayor of Minneapolis who has has said that he wants constituents to be able to vote for themselves but feels like we need to keep our police department the way it is. Uh, even he denounced uh, this footage of Jaleel Stallings and the actions of these officers who are employed for MPD. And, and so, at this point, it, you know, many people were shocked and di- disturbed and outraged by the footage that showed the the murder of George Floyd, and uh, because they had not been uh, seeing new incidences uh, that were that severe or that damaging, it was easy for them to kind of go back to business as usual or or backslide even on this conversation about uh, changing public safety. And now with with this footage, you cannot deny uh, that uh, you know George Floyd was not an isolated incident. Uh, George Floyd uh, was a situation that occurred out of a culture that had been created long before George Floyd was killed. I mean, Anthony, we've talked extensively about Jamar Clark and Justine Damon, and and so many others, right? And so with this footage, it absolutely reignites that urgency for change and equity that Black residents in Minneapolis are absolutely affirmed in their concern for their safety while living in the city of Minneapolis because there is a public safety system that does not prioritize their Their care or well being, and we've seen it time and time again. And this footage reiterates that notion. Uh, there was one other uh, piece that really stood out to me, and and this was hours of of uh, body cam footage that that was released. But there was one other piece that stood out, and there were protesters who who were out, you know, with their hands up, screaming at. A line of officers saying, "We don't have guns. What are you doing?" Because the officers had their their guns raised, and and yes, they were only shooting rubber bullets. But we saw uh, several protesters with uh, very very severe injuries from those uh, rubber bullets, and so protesters had they were screaming with their hands up, uh, "Don't shoot!" And uh, you know, just saying like we have the right to be out here to use our voices. And out of nowhere, one of the officers just shoots a rubber bullet at these protesters who in that moment were not being violent, who were just using their voices. And uh, a woman, it, it appears as though a woman is shot with the rubber bullet. And the officer's response is, ha ha, gotcha. And he gives a fist bump to one of his colleagues. And so when you hear officers speaking candidly um, amongst themselves, and and, and describing protesters uh, in a way like "we're gonna hunt you down" and "ha ha, gotcha," you know, Anthony, where is where where's the desire to protect and serve in that moment? Uh, because I, I I don't I don't hear that I don't hear compassion or empathy. I I don't hear an attitude, a servant's attitude mentality there. And um, the one thing that really concerns me that's missing is integrity. Because when the cameras are there and there's a press conference and people are watching, you're going to be on your best behavior. But when you have no idea that anyone's around or anyone's listening, who you truly are comes out in that moment, right? Character is not who you are when everything's great. And, you know, the cameras are on you. Character is who you are when when no one's watching. That's real integrity. Can you still be that great same person when no one's watching? And and we're not seeing integrity in these officers.
0: You know, this this is precisely the moment where um, the not all cops uh, mentality or mindset or conversation enters in to To this type of dialogue, because we we box ourselves into these false dichotomies, and we can't seem to talk with nuance um, these days. And I'm and I'm trying not to be nihilistic about it, but it's a pattern that I'm seeing. Is we have seemingly have the inability to, have, to 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 do uh, what you are suggesting that we do, and that is to hold ourselves accountable. Um, you know, and 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 so to see uh, to see this evidence, to see something that that backs up. Um, the times where I've been harassed by police officers and had their power oversee my rights as a citizen or, or even the logic of the current situation. I remember being stopped over north um, in my letterman's jacket, in my Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated letterman's, letterman's jacket um, because they were looking for somebody who I'm overhearing in the description is nothing to look like me, but it was an opportunity to assert power Um, you you know, and so when you're walking on the street, and I'm I'm wearing I'm wearing red. Let let, let's be clear, I'm on 40th and Fremont, just wearing red, and (laughs) folks on the block (laughs) aren't even looking at my colors because they are know enough to recognize that I'm wearing a collegiate Letterman's jacket. You know what the with the car rolling by said to me, my heart jumped into my throat because I realized that 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 I was walking to my godmom's house, and I'm in a situation where you know what. I'm not in the right space to be wearing these colors right here. You know, and it's not something that's a, that, that's a huge thing, but it is a thing. It ran through my head. And then a car slow rolls by me, and I'm like, shoot, I'm gonna have to deal with this. Um because and, 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 the, the the block was the block was hot at the time. And you know what they said out the car. They leaned out and said, Hey, that's what's up. I'd like to see your brother get this education. He really recognized. The Greek letters, letterman's jacket, it gave me props, all right? I'm getting juiced up. When I was walking tall, a block and a half away, I get stopped and have this encounter with with the Minneapolis Police Department in my letterman's jacket and dress, dress slacks. So there's this this, this this policing state culture that about asserting power is a thing, and it's a thing that black males have experienced, and not just black males, but, but folks who are in over-policed communities have had this experience. We recognize this culture, and so we listen to the clip that was just played, and it confirms that at the same time, the block is hot. Folks is dying. Folks want to see that there's something happens. Folks want something that's going to deter the behavior that 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 has been going on. Whether it's a result of 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 the of a police quote unquote pullback or slow world to calls, or the fact that this is hap- that blocks are hot everywhere because we're in the middle of a pandemic and it's a hot mess and people aren't doing what they're supposed to be do. Whatever the causation is, it's throwing it's 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 creating this this space of fracturing that people aren't getting into a solution-based conversation they're 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 siloing into into uh into mechanisms that aren't producing policy change and so it's going to the ballot box in 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 Minneapolis and right now the way that the conversation is shaping up it doesn't feel like there's going to be win no matter what the decision is made in Minneapolis and so I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around like where do we go from here have you, Uh, How have you seen folks and leaders who are trying to to take the nuanced approach to this make sense of this?
1: Well, well, a lot of people have asked, were any of those officers held accountable for their actions? Mm. And when I asked uh, Jaleel Stallings, uh, when I asked the attorney of Jaleel Stallings that question, he told me not to his knowledge. And I haven't seen any reports and I would like to think that when Mayor Fry said that he denounced these actions, had anyone been held accountable, I'd like to think he'd throw that out there. But we haven't heard of of cases where these officers have been held accountable for their misconduct. And so people who are trying to be nuanced and and really you know, uh, understand both sides of this. No, no one can deny that there should be accountability, right. that accountability for misconduct, whether you're for keeping MPD exactly the way it is, or whether you think that, uh, it, it should evolve into a public safety department, right? Like mm-hmm. regardless of where you are, you shouldn't be denying the need for accountability for misconduct. How, how can we have equity? How can we right. have safety without accountability?
0: Uh, that's a, that's, that is an excellent point. That is an excellent point. And, and, and the evidence is there. It's clear. It's right there. There, there, that's something that you can point to and see, which is beneficial. Uh, you know, and it's unfortunate to say it in this context But we have the benefit of knowing what happened. Just like with George Floyd, we have the benefit of knowing exactly what happened. We could see it. There's no denying it. We still had to go through our our processes. And 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 to some extent, I'm also seeing folks in community who who will say that the process worked in this case because at least that that because Julia was acquitted, but not necessarily (laughs) that it worked enough to to hold accountability for the officer's role. And excessive use. Are, are are you seeing on the horizon that there may be an excessive use or civil case that comes
1: out of the treatment of Julio? I also asked his attorney Eric Rice that question. Mm-hmm. At this time, uh, he didn't have an answer. He said they're they're still assessing the evidence for a civil case. They're still assessing the evidence for a lawsuit. Um, and you know, so I, I, don't think he wanted to speak to that, uh, prematurely at the moment. There isn't, there isn't one, um, you know, but he, he does have the right, you know, if his attorney, if he decides, I, I do think potentially they, they could file the civil case. And I'm not even sure maybe if he would have grounds to file a, a, a criminal case, um, for being assaulted, you know, but but also we should be asking ourselves because you're talking about a man. Jaleel Stallings is a 29 year old truck driver from St. Paul who had to sit in jail after mm. being beat by the police uh, for something, you know, for acting in, in self-defense. And then he had to hire an attorney and he had to go through trial right. and defend himself. Right. And, and so we should be asking ourselves uh, a man like that who was acquitted. What if that jury had not acquitted him? What Mm. if that jury would have said, "Uh, no, we don't think that was self-defense and he would have been sent to jail for attempted murder. And then when you look at that footage and you see for yourself, how was he supposed to know that they were police if they're shooting from an unmarked van? And so our criminal justice system is, you know, it's very complex, yet very delicate Mm-hmm. right and so it's it's just concerning when you're when the thing that is at stake is someone's life and freedom whether that means them being out on the street and being beat to death or having a knee on their neck until they can't breathe anymore or whether that means a criminal justice system that takes away their freedom right and on the other side of that when a person is innocent or they're denied due process there where's the accountability uh for those who are supposed to be upholding this system where's the accountability when they abuse their power or use excessive force or don't allow a person due process
0: well i, I think the 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 contextualizing piece to 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 add into the mix what you said which is just which is excellently put is um is is this understanding it's that sometimes we lose off the table that the same behaviors and same situations in different racial communities, uh, the results are very different. And so uh, th- I think that can't be lost in here too, is that it's not just the occurrence of these situations, it's the occurrence of these situations and the backdrop of the fact that white individuals who have similar encounters or even more egregious encounters with police officers still end up surviving and, and still, uh, end up getting through these situations with with not only their humanity intact, but not being beaten, not being assaulted in the same ways. Um, I think that needs to be on the table too. In all of these areas, both in the school to prison pipeline, uh, conversation in the, in the, in the use of force with police officers conversation, we have to keep at the table and up front, and in front of the folks in this conversation, that we are seeing true racial disparity. That for the same situations and same behaviors, there are differential outcomes for brown and black and indigenous bodies than there are for white white bodies. And 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 that, um, and the data is is very clear there. And so, if we lose that that piece of this, I think we lose an important part of the of the decision and and, and, and not the decision, but the conversation.
1: You know, when you you look at specifically bringing this back to Jaleel Stallings, when you look at that footage, why couldn't those officers just handcuff him and bring him downtown? Mm. Why was he kicked not one time, not two time, uh, two times, not three times, but multiple times? Not only was he kicked multiple times, why was he punched? Why Why didn't they just handcuff him? He was clearly laying on the ground. His weapon was not around him. It feels like the right thing would have been to put cuffs on him, bring him downtown and figure out what the situation was. But he was beaten, <laughs> you know, and, and I'd love to see that uh, in the training manual, So if Mm. someone shoots fire at you uh, because they don't know that you're a cop and then they lay on the ground away from their weapon, is it their training that when someone's surrendering and they're laying face down on the ground that you're supposed to go beat them because they just shot at you? Or is your training, say, to put cuffs on them and bring them down and let a judge and a jury figure out what should happen? You know, so... I mean, we we just continuously have these examples. And Anthony, this is another case. This was a story, this footage has been picked up by CNN and distributed to every paper uh, and, and uh, news outlet across the country. And so here we are again, Minnesota in national news, international news, because of our police department. And the world has uh, still been sitting here since May 2020, waiting for us to come up with some type of a blueprint for better policing practices for the future of our nation, right? Everyone's looking at us. And this is just another glaring example that something desperately needs to change. This,
0: at the crux of of it, is is the hard piece because we are still viscerally reacting to what's on the ground and what should seem obvious to certain communities, <laughs> um, and and wanting to get to the systemic change pieces, and then on the other hand, we just want folks to 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 not be beaten. I mean, just this just juxtaposing that, right? The 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 fight to 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 not have. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting at a loss for words because I can't square these pegs because it, it, it seems so obvious and yet we keep finding ourselves in this situation where, where whatever the situation we've wrapped ourselves into is not working for us. And now we have on the table, it seems two choices, which I think is immediate red flag right there because how many of the decisions and choices that we have only have two, two, two directions we can go. It seems to me that a conversation about policing, a conversation about um, public safety, is a very different arena than what you just described. I think you 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 put forward too simple of a thought process. Um, not saying that it was it was simplified, but I'm just saying that it gets to the heart of the problem in ways that folks aren't wanting to have, which, which, which is where I'm stuck. Cause it seems simple. Don't beat folks who you ain't got. Like just stop beating people. Just stop doing the things that are egregious and ridiculous that everybody around seems to be able to agree is ridiculous, except for these, all these situations that we're finding here. And it, and it, and it is, it is, it is frustrating. And it is, it is hard to wrap words around. Even, when even at the same time, we're trying to have this deeper systemic conversation. And so if you see me stuck, uh, Georgia, and you see me just kind of rubbing my head and 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 just trying to figure out the right words around it, that's that's the dissonance that I'm feeling right now.
1: Well, and the question I get all the time, Anthony, is you know, why do you continue to cover these stories? And, you know, how do you process the trauma and you know, uh, I I have stayed on these stories because even if you go back to the original reporting on Jaleel Solings, man shoots at MPD, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and there's so much context that is left out, and so. I stay on these stories because it's important that someone from our community is with compassion, right? Looking at these stories from a, a, a racial equity lens. And uh with with a a lens that is is truly um that that is not just going to uphold authorities as though they're always right. And I'm not saying they're always wrong, but traditional media, mainstream media has a history of undeniably believing every single word that is said by police departments, by by politicians for the most part or or other government entities. And they're not, they don't give that same merit or credit to our community members. And it, it's not fair. And it's very biased. Um, and so, you know, people have even called me an activist journalist or or a movement journalist. I don't, I don't consider myself that. I, I'm a journalist. And when, when there is true change in policing, I won't. This won't be my beat anymore. <laughs> like hmm. you have at traditional media stations, you have people who their beat is art and entertainment or theater. You have people who they cover businesses and commerce, right? Well, yeah, we need an independent journalist who's out here, who's who's covering court, uh, criminal justice, policing. We need someone who that is their beat in their area of expertise. And so that that is where I live in this moment. Uh, but but Anthony, you know this isn't new. Mm. Zach King, go back, go back and look at what happened to Zach King before Philando Castile. Look mm. at what happened to Zach King by the Minneapolis police before Philando Castile was killed. Zach King, who was beat brutally, beat by the Minneapolis Police Department in downtown Minneapolis. And you, if you if you've seen those photos, they beat that man. And he says he had a, a, a permit to carry his gun and the police didn't care. They didn't even ask to see it, you know? And so this is, this isn't new. And then that's the thing I think that's hard is like when you've lived in this community in black skin with black relatives and you've, you've had that anxiety when a police car gets behind you you understand how urgent this issue is. And you also understand this isn't a new issue but i think it w- it became palatable for our white neighbors after they saw the video of george floyd now the conversation's mm. more palatable now now you can understand but but this isn't new this is something that we've been talking about for decades
2: mm.
0: i'm sorry I, I you're just you're catching me at a loss for words because <laughs> i i, I I can't see my faith in our ability to have the kind of conversation that gets to solution isn't there yet. I don't see that. I don't see us being there yet in our community space, and and I'm looking for it. I'm really looking for it. I think Reverend Miller, who is a community leader, um, brings up an excellent point in 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 chief Rondo in some of the work that they've already done that seemed to be ignored. And now he gets, he feels like folks in community weren't talked to in ahead of this coming vote. Whereas you get a whole lot of folks are saying things need to change right now. And having an office of public safety that, that asks these kinds of questions is the thing that we need to do right now. Um, You know, one, an office of public safety does not necessarily um, defund police officers. It's a police are supposed to be part of that mix. There are people, municipalities across the country and across the world who have an office of public safety where fire police and and all of these other areas talk to each other and work together to, to, to promote public safety. And, and, and so there's just so much um, that to keep in, 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 our, in our heads just on that conversation. And then I hear you bring up the important history that's been the case for, 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 for so many decades and if one of those conversations is, ha- is happening without a very clear declarative statement that something will change, I think we're only going to continue to see uh, 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 an, an increase in the, in, the, in the lack of not just trust in community, but faith that community can, 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 can re- weather this and, and, can, and can make change. And in the space of that level of uncertainty, we know data-wise that the worst parts of us rise and and come to the table and so it it can exacerbate a situation how do you interrupt that spiral is the hard question that folks are wanting to ask but can't get past the beating can't get past yet yet more of of the violence is visited out i I'm, I'm stuck i truly am
1: well the thing that just keeps coming back to me anthony is we need change and uh, you know i I understand our community has remained divided on what that change looks like. There is a spectrum of beliefs and perspectives on what that change should be, and that's okay. But how can we live in this community and have suffered the trauma and the grief of losing so many of our Black neighbors and and stand here collectively and and act like everything is okay and that, yeah, things should just stay the same. Like, if we can't agree on what change is needed, can we at least agree that that change is needed, right? Mm. And then we can come to some common ground of what that change looks like in the future, right? Mm. But the one thing I think we should all be able to agree upon after the murder of George Floyd is that we need change. And Mm. for some people in our community, they have the privilege to go to their cabins up North and unplug, but Mm. not everybody has that luxury in this community. And so it is a reality that many of us have to live in. And, and to that point, Anthony is is part of the reason why I stay on these stories, D- despite the personal trauma I have to endure, the professional, you know, trauma, the grief I feel. I, I remember going out to cover uh, Winston Smith, mm-hmm. going to the vigil the day after he was fatally shot by a U.S. Marshal, going to the vigil and hearing his brother speak. And I started to cry because I'm mm-hmm. tired of being out here. I'm I'm tired of covering these stories, but I don't have the privilege to not cover them. Because guess what? It could be me, it could be my husband, it could be my daughters. Yeah. And I know women aren't killed as often, but look at what happened to Nakia Moody. Mm. You know, and and so if we, you know, I understand that we're not at a place yet, a year and a half past the murder of George Floyd, that we can agree on what change is needed but can we please agree that change is absolutely undeniably needed especially in light of this new body camera footage being released
0: hmm. Georgia I need to pause for a second because multiple truths are happening at the same time and it's hard to wrap it, 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 it it's hard to keep them, keep them all there we have folks let me say it this way, right? So our church and many other churches have been participating in this 21 Days of Peace. Um, they've been on the corners, they've been on the street, they've been been there to show presence, to say there are people who care uh, about this community, there are people you are going to see in this community, and, and also witnessing, right? Um, I think... Um, I think the the biggest, um, the biggest piece that comes to mind in those interactions are, you know, that we have a whole lot going on right now, and this is just one. Of the areas of concern and issue, and and we and in large part the folks who who are participating in twenty one days of peace are seeing it as effective, and, and and those kinds of initiatives have been effective at having p- presence around and things like that, but it don't they don't change the structures, and so when those efforts begin to 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 burn out or folks you know need a break or a breather. <laughs> in reference to your point about folks being able to go up to cabins, right? Some folks don't get to do that. Eventually, folks, and you know, who are participating in this are going to wane and, and, and that presence isn't going to be out there. I'm sitting in my home simultaneously wanting structural change and watching violence happen right outside my house. Who's got my back? I guess it's one of the questions that's on my mind in all of this jockeying who is speaking for and to uh, the folks who are sitting and watching it happen, even while they have an attention towards the structural changes necessary? That is a voice and a wondering um, that I'm just missing. Um, not, not missing in terms of not, I mean, I've, I've seen it there. I have folks who, who we talk to there, you know, witness to there but I'm not seeing it being discussed in a, in a, in a, in a way outside of independent journalists like yourself. Who's carrying those stories through, just like you carry the stories of those who are being moved from the, the homeless encampments. Um, you brought story and real experience in life to those stories in ways that forced a larger group to have to speak to that. Um, they don't seem to be listening in this, (laughs) in this arena. Um, and, and I'm just—I'm—I'm I'm curious where you see those voices actually breaking through. Where can I go to look for those voices?
1: It, can you clarify when you say yeah. those voices?
0: Yeah, just you know, I'm—I'm because I'm, I'm hearing from 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 leaders. I'm hearing from folks who are working in the policy side, where I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm not getting a sense of, and I think it can help the conversation, is the person who's just looking out their, out their window and, and is and is stuck watching violence happen on the street, both by police officers and by folks in community. <laughs> I, I, I think their voices are getting lost in this conversation about structure. You know, so that's who I'm talking about, the they. And, and I'm curious where you see those voices proliferating or popping through the narrative at all.
1: I don't think there's been a ton of, of those voices. I I think well-known community leaders uh, or emerging community leaders are at the forefront of the conversation. And and so are politicians and and folks who are uh, sitting in, in elected positions. I I haven't heard a ton of those voices. And, um, you know, I, I will say that I've made some effort in terms of reaching out to residents that I know in North Minneapolis. And uh, there is also a level of fear. Um, it, that takes me back to when I was interviewing KG, whose six-year-old granddaughter was mm-hmm. shot in the head and killed. I was interviewing him right off of Broadway. And... After the interview, a drive-by happened right in front of us. Mm -hmm. It was the most terrifying experience of my career. Nobody wanted to talk on camera. Nobody wanted to talk about that at all. Because uh, those people who are shooting are still out there. And in fact, when I reported that I had witnessed a drive-by, I started getting calls from community leaders who were encouraging me to tread lightly on how I reported about what Mm. I witnessed. Mm. Because if you're a witness, you're in some ways, for lack of a better word, I guess you could say a liability. And so if people are shooting in our communities with no concern for the lives around them and innocent children are dying week after week, or being injured week after week, what what, <laughs> what protection is there for the residents who are witnessing or turning over their their doorbell camera footage to police? What protection is there for them? Right, mm. uh, I, I've I've actually had several neighbors uh, in, in, in uh, several uh, residents in those neighborhoods inbox me links to their doorbell camera footage Mm. and they, they want to get it out there. And it's not always exclusively drive-by shooting. Sometimes it's high speed uh, police chases. Mm. I have several, several files from multiple different residents in North Minneapolis that I haven't released because people are scared they're scared that they're going to be retaliated against or targeted by the police or that the people who are out here perpetuating violence and harm are going to target them because now they're a witness. Mm. See, uh,
0: and so, so let, me, let, me, let me get this clear. The, the, the sending to you allows there to be some confident confidentiality. I, can, I'm more, I feel safer sending it to you as an independent journalist um, because you don't have to disclose where you got it from, right? Is that the, is that the sense that you're getting from folks who are sending it to you?
1: hmm Yeah. And, okay. and they're also kind of asking for my assessment, like, hey, I think you should see this, please. You know, this is off the record. Um, But I want you to know, and and in some ways, even if I don't publish the footage, to have that knowledge while I'm reporting on these issues, Mm -hmm. that I can speak to what I have, what I've seen with my own two eyes, right? Uh, But there has been hesitancy, and sometimes people asking me for a judgment call on whether or not I think they should release it, and I, I can't give anybody that assurance, I can't say, oh yeah, I think you should release it. Obviously that would be great for me as an independent journalist, but I I could care less about what views I could get from somebody's doorbell camera footage of a, another high speed chase by MPD that led to a crash. I could care less about those views if it means that that resident is gonna be harassed by MPD or is gonna be living in fear or any negative things it could bring to that person. And so I, I can't assure anyone that nothing negative is going to happen, you know? Mm. And, and so for, for me, and, and sometimes I feel like that's what they're looking for. It's like, hey, can you assure me that if you release this, that I'll be okay? And I can't. And so I don't release it because I I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, I can't guarantee that. And I, and I don't want to be the culprit of someone having to deal with any, you know, unwanted attention or any, you know, negative uh, outcomes uh, based on some reporting that I did. Right. So Mm -hmm. it, it it does help for me to have that context and know uh, what's happening, even if I don't publish the footage, but my number one priority is that those people are safe and, um, The only way that that's guaranteed is if the footage isn't published. (laughs) So yet again, (laughs) stuck in the
0: middle of a whole lot of impossible decisions. And then we have to make change and policy come out at the end. It's not not an easy thing, but I think even, even in the midst of that, I think the the hopefulness that comes to me as we as we get ready to close and ask ourselves the, the check in question, how are you being you in this moment? Um, I think the 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 thing I can grab onto is the fact that we have been faced with impossible decisions in our various communities many 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 times over the history of this country, and 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 I do believe in that arc that bends towards justice in the in the whole. That being said, that doesn't mean that I take the gas off. When it comes to seeking the justice, the justice and the accountability that we are talking about earlier, that you brought to light earlier, um, in that we, we, in this case, we see uh, the footage directly, we see what happened, and can then move to an accountability. We hear the conversation of those officers and can ask the question about accountability. Um, but long term, I think if we don't, if we don't get it right this time, you know. We, 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 each time we come back to this moment and have this conversation again, there's, there's less and less, um, there's less and less space to be able to, to, to deal with nuance. And, and James Baldwin said it, um, when he wrote the book, The Fire Next Time. Um, and I, and, and, and Don Lemming even came up with a new book recently talking about this is the fire. I think, um, we are running out of time to be able to address this in a way where any trust can be had in the systems as they are right now. Even if we're moving and making inroads, our good work and our progress can be usurped by inaction. And I think that's a that is a concern and a fear that is also at the mix of this, um, at the base of this for me. So let let me, let me let me check in with you because that's part of our work, and because of how how egregious and and, and tough this has been. I need to check in with you, sister. How are you being you in this moment, given all that we've talked about?
1: Well, Anthony, I I finally felt like on the fourth anniversary of me and my husband's wedding that we deserve to get away. Um, there is a sense of responsibility and obligation in in this work, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, for for many months, for I guess you could say years, I, I didn't feel like I, I could unplug. But um, we knew our, our anniversary was coming up and uh, we both have been working around the clock and it just felt like we, we deserved a break. And so um, at, at the end of uh, September, beginning of October, uh, we were able to go to Hawaii and celebrate us, and you know, talk about our vows and and our future. And so it was it was wonderful. It's the first time uh, he and I were able to get away without the little ones, so it, it was nice. It was both of our our time to- our first times in Hawaii, and it was beautiful there. The ocean was beautiful. Um, but it's so funny because, like, how am I being me? Even in that moment, how is I being me? Right, I'm being a wife, and you know, enjoying that. But
0: uh huh, come on, <laughs> I know where you're going. I'm still a journalist, <laughs> yeah.
1: and so here we are. One of the nights that we're there, like you know. Getting, We actually went and got a mani Petty, and the owner was telling me that there was like protesting that was happening. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And, you know, so I secretly, when he was taking a nap, like tried to Google it and see if I could figure out where and when. And I I couldn't find anything. Well, then we're driving to dinner that night and I look over (laughs) out the window and (laughs) here's this huge protest that's happening. I was like, babe. You know, you think we should stop and take a picture? Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, he, he. before we even got there, and, and we're one in the same, before we even got there, he had done some research and he found a boxing gym that was in Hawaii that he <laughs> wanted to go see. And I was like, no, absolutely not. We need to unplug. We need to set boundaries. We need to just enjoy each other. And um, he kind of kept asking and I kind of kept saying the same thing. And so when we drove past this protest that I I desperately wanted to get out and like figure (laughs) out what was going on and talk to the people. He was like, no, we need to unplug and we need to enjoy each other. (laughs) And so what we learned is uh, the Fort way is not the traditional way that other couples do things. We are both entrepreneurs. We both deeply love the work Hmm. that we do. And um, yeah, even if we're on vacation, we'll probably still work in the future. So uh, that's how I'm being me in this moment. (laughs) Anthony, what about you?
0: So, So you got to be one of those folks who went away to the cab slash Hawaii.
1: Um. I did finally (laughs) for the first time. uh, Really, I can count on one hand how many vacations I've been on in my whole life. Mm. You know, like as a child, we didn't we couldn't afford vacations Mm -hmm. in my adult life. um, Yeah, I I can account on one hand. And and then for us in our our four years of marriage, this is the first vacation we've been on. Mm -hmm. And I, I do hope that Uh, we're able to incorporate that as a part of our lifestyle and our children's upbringing, um, because I think it is important to get away, to be out in other communities, to see how they're different, but then to also draw on those parallels, right? Like all the way in Honolulu, Hawaii, they're protesting too. They're, They're looking around them and saying, hey, the way that we've done things It's not the way that we should keep doing things. Mm -hmm. And so while Hawaii is very, very different than Minnesota, just Mm -hmm. when you look at the climate alone, there's still some parallels. There's still some things that are happening in Minnesota that are are transpiring in Hawaii and in every city across this country. So it is important to get out, to unplug, um, but also Mm -hmm. to... Just have those experiences and, and observing how other communities are similar and different than your own.
0: So, um, and I just love how when you talk about y'all's partnership, that y'all be y'all both understand y'all's assignment. <laughs> A lot of folks are talking about that. I understood my assignment um, and can support each other in that way. I have, um, I have been being me um, by. As you know, um, I not only was was recently ordained in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, but was appointed...
1: Congratulations! Thank you,
0: thank you. Um, I was appointed to be the pastor of St. Mark AME Church in Duluth, Minnesota. So, talk about full circles. Um, wow. I found in... Uh, the appointment, family came forward and told me that my great-great-grandparents not only were members of this uh, of this historic church in Duluth, the first black church in Duluth, but um, my great-grandmother was raised in that church. And so there's these huge family circles. And then, of course, you worked in Duluth um, as a broadcaster. And so I see all these full circles happening in this. And so how I'm being me right now is being reminded of the fact that we don't have to be bound by the ebbs and flows of our cultural political dance that we are winding ourselves unnecessarily into in this country. Um, and that there is there are ways of being that check out. And so I'm being me by by doing what I have been called and I'm charged to do and that is um, to build community with people, especially given the hard con- context and not and not forget that underneath all of our conversations, all of our talk around policy and change, are real people having real experiences. And that matters. And so how do we have the hard conversations while honoring the humanity that's there? That's that's the reflective space that keeps me being me in this present moment. Uh, thank you so much for this conversation. I know um, I got stuck in a whole lot of different ways, just trying to wrap my head around things that just aren't gelling for me. And so I thank you, Georgia, for, as you always do, Bringing me back to to, to assignment <laughs> So thank you for that
1: Well, and now we're going to have to start calling you what, Reverend or, or Pastor Anthony <laughs> Galloway Put some respect on his name, y'all <laughs> <laughs> Well,
0: we're going to end how we always do So I'm going to kick it back over to you
1: In the words of Dr. Joy Lewis May the revolution be healing This has been Bearing Witness with Anthony in Georgia, a part of the racial reckoning project, The Arc of Justice, a journalism project created and supported by Ampers, Diverse Radio for Minnesota's Communities, KMOJ Radio, and the Minnesota Humanities Center with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.